0: Hello, my name is Nathan Foster, and welcome back to the Renovare Weekly Podcast. Each week, I'm interviewing a person who knows much more about things than I do uh, related to spiritual formation. And this week, we're um, fortunate enough to have back Carolyn Ahrens, the Director of Education for Renovare. And in this podcast, um, we're working with the topic of doubt in faith. And uh, Carolyn shares with us some of her own journey in that, um, and I found it quite helpful. There's a number of uh, pieces that she had to offer uh, related to how do we deal with when we doubt, and, and what does that look like for us? As always, thank you for listening, and uh, enjoy. Hi, Carolyn. Hey, Nathan. How you doing? I'm good. We get to good. talk again, which is nice. Hey, <laughs> Hey, you recently did a talk on the role of doubt in faith. Yeah. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about that? Well, it comes
1: it comes out of my own journey. You know, I I'm I'm, uh, I'm kind of a lifer. I I remember um uh asking Jesus to come into my life when I was about 4 and I've been walking with him ever since. And um I I really was one of those people that didn't really understand how people could doubt for a lot of years. I just figured like, if you've, if you've tasted double fudge ice cream, or if you've seen a baby being born, or if you've heard Bach or the Beatles, you know, like, how can you not know that there's, that there's something behind all of this, that there's a Mm. creator and he's good, you know, that's how I was for a lot of years. And then in my mid twenties, I had this this summer, this uh, time uh, season of intense doubt it kind of it was an otherwise great summer. Good things were going on in my life, my career, and my marriage. Uh, but I just got this kind of gnawing sense of unease and uh, started having some theological quandaries and uh, uh, but more than anything, all of a sudden just realized I can't feel the presence of God in the way that I always have in the past and i had uh all you know christian friends i i was very ashamed of the experience and so i didn't share it with very many people but with the people i did share it with i got these kind of wildly divergent interpretations of what was going on you know i had my my friend uh you know the the charismatic was like i happened to be sort of right on the verge of launching a, a music ministry a music career so so my friend the charismatic was like oh Clearly you're on the verge of something great with God. And so it only makes sense that there'd be an attack. You know, there's there's an enemy that's attacking you and trying to bring you down. That was one interpretation. And then my friend the mystic was like, ah, oh, yes, the dark night of the soul. You know, <laughs> you're you're on the verge of 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 this great ministry. And so God is deepening you and, and giving you an opportunity to grow in your faith and and go deeper. And, you know, and then I had my pragmatic friends that were just like, Get over it already. You know, there, there's a lot of different uh, uh, lenses of interpretation. But for me, it was completely, it was a very devastating time, very mm. bewildering. And and eventually, um, it's a long story, but uh, eventually I came out of that season and I did come out of it um, – uh, uh stronger and and deeper and still still with mystery about what it was all about uh but i've it's caused me to spend a lot of my of my adult life doing work in this area of of doubt and does asking the question is is doubt always or necessarily a fire that consumes mm. uh faith mm-hmm. or it can it be something else? can it be a fire that refines uh uh faith uh Frederick Brigner says that doubt is the, um, the ants in the pants of faith that keeps it alive <laughs> and moving. And I like that, that premise. And so, so I, I have come to believe, I think that there is a, I think that there are two kinds of doubt. I think there is a dishonest doubt mm. that is, um, you know when life with God becomes too hard, or God's asking stuff of us that's too hard. Dishonest doubt is just kind of what our subconsciouses are powerful things, and they'll just kind of manufacture. You know, well, maybe I don't believe in this anyways. It's it's too hard. So there is we've got to acknowledge there is that kind of doubt, but I but I also think there is an honest doubt, and what what it really is, it's it's the doubt that arises when we we genuinely want to be in relationship with God. We genuinely want to move forward in that relationship. But we're experiencing a couple of gaps mm-hmm. and the first gap is between uh what we were expecting out of life with god and life on this planet and what we're actually getting okay. there's this gap between expectation and reality and the second gap is between what we're capable of understanding as as finite creatures who've been given reason and intuition but nonetheless have limitations uh, the gap between what we're capable of understanding and everything there is to be understood hmm. with, with a God who is at once very close to us and at the same time utterly transcendent, um, mysterious and beyond us. So there's these two gaps between expectation reality and between what we're capable of understanding and all there actually is out there to be understood. And honest doubt is what bubbles up in the space between those two gaps, hmm. and I think when doubt does damage to our, our faith, it's it's not doubt itself. It's not what's bubbling up in those gaps. It's some of our panicky tendencies of how we tend to react when we start mm-hmm. to experience those gaps mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that um, can do damage to our faith. And that actually, if 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 we see them more as invitation than threat, mm-hmm. um, they may be opportunities. Those that, that stuff that bubbles up in the in those gaps, which we call doubt. It may actually be more of an opportunity to to go somewhere deeper and to mm. revise our understandings of God, and uh, but it often feels terrible while, yes. while it's happening. Yeah. Um, so it's become kind of a passion of mine to kind of uh, talk to people when they're in those seasons and um, and help them find more life giving ways
0: to respond mm. when that stuff, mm-hmm. stuff bubbles up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's really good. How do you define doubt? Well, I've, I've
1: just tried to there as, as, I mean, I think it, I think that's an excellent question because it means different things to different people. Like it can be uh, experienced as uh, you know, just theological quandaries or questions, you know, for, for, for many people it has to do with the problem of pain in the world, Mm -hmm. you know, understanding uh, I know for me personally, you know, I understand that because of, because of our free will, there, there is brokenness and pain in the world. But sometimes it's very hard to understand why God seems to intervene in one situation and not another. Mm-hmm. So very often for people, pain uh, questions in those issues. For other people, it's just a, an intellectual challenge. They're starting to experience some cognitive dissonance between kind of their frameworks that they thought were working about who God is and, mm-hmm. and what they're experiencing. Um, but again, I, I think we can trace most of it back to those to those two gaps between reality and expectation and between what we can manage to understand right now and all there is, uh, to be understood. Um, at least in this category of honest doubt, I, I think that's, that's where most of it, uh, comes from and, mm-hmm. and the, and the unhealthy ways that we tend to respond to it. I think I, I, I could think of five off the top of my head. I okay. mean, one is we, we make God smaller. We start to encounter mystery and things we don't understand. He, he starts to not he starts to be much more of a subject than an object. And he okay. he behaves on his own terms, not on our terms. And so we think, oh, this is not manageable. And so so we make God smaller. We we put him in a box. We come up with five things we can say about him that all start with the same letter. And, <laughs> Funny and, how that <laughs> happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All the same. And, so it makes it makes faith more manageable, but it but it's sad because it truncates um, our, our you know, it's a, it's we're kind of saying no to God's invitation to begin to see more and more of who he is, uh, which is very big. Um, so we make God smaller or we make ourselves bigger. We, okay. we pretend that we have more of a handle on this than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, we in college circles, we would say we have no, no epistemological humility, you know, we're not very teachable. We, we act like we, we really get, we really get it when in fact we don't, and there's lots, we still need to learn and grow. So we make, we make God smaller. We make ourselves bigger. We, uh, some of us um, insulate. We, we find things that are going on in the culture and science and philosophy and art. We find those things uh, threatening. And so we just kind of plug our ears and we stay in our little bubbles and, and stop uh, a being salt and light in the world, and B being able to learn from what God is doing in in the world. Um, some of us just kind of go on on autopilot. You know, we want we want to know that we're saved. We want to know we're good with God, and so so we maybe we keep going to church and we we keep uh, affirming the fact that that we believe in in Jesus. But we kind of file it away like fire insurance, and we stop mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. engaging in a real. Day to day way because we're finding it too hard, and then some people walk away altogether. They just don't know how to how right. to put it all together. So, so those are some. That's when doubt becomes very problematic. I think is when we respond in, in one of those ways. Um,
0: but there there are other ways to respond.
1: I think that that uh, where doubt doesn't have to be um, something that's going to eat away at our mm-hmm. faith.
0: Mm-hmm. G- give me yeah. that. What what's what would you say are some good responses to when doubt begins to bubble up?
1: Yeah. Well, I think the first really helpful thing is, um, is to expect it or to know that, that it it, like, I call this expect some turbulence, right? When you're, when you're on an airplane and the pilot uh, has a weather forecast and he sees that there's some rough air coming, Mm -hmm. he comes on the loudspeaker and he says, you know, uh, looks like we got some rough air ahead. Go ahead and put your seatbelts on, stow any loose items. And he's doing that for two reasons, right? The first, First reason is that so logistically we can do what's necessary to be safe when the rough air comes. And the second reason is so that we know he he knows about it. Mm-hmm. It's a normal, expected part of air travel, and it doesn't mean we're going to crash, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I think for me, if I had known, you know, my mid-20s and my first real experience of doubt, if I had known that, oh, actually, this is a well-documented mm-hmm. part of the journey of many faithful believers, not all, I do want to say, I, I do think there are some yeah. people who who genuinely don't wrestle with doubt. And I think if we look in 1 Corinthians at, tw- at 12, where Paul's list- listing all the different gifts that have been given to different members of the body of Christ for the sake of the community, why don't, he lists, you know, like wisdom and, and, and knowledge and all different kinds of spiritual gifts. One of the gifts he lists is actually the gift of faith,
0: hmm.
1: which I think is really interesting. And I think he might be referring there to that, that some people in the body of Christ have been given this this gift of just like never doubt mm. faith. Mm. And they've been given it, I think, f- what they have to remember is they've been given it for the benefit of the whole community mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. they could be there for those of us who have not received uh, that particular gift. And that's really important, I think, because I think people who do struggle with doubt tend to think that people who never doubt just aren't reflective thinking people. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. people who never doubt tend to think that people who, who do doubt just aren't you know, aren't, they just need to stop it. (laughs) You know, they just need to to, um, deepen in their walk or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think it's important to know that, that, uh, that A, not everyone is going to experience doubt, but that B, if that's not, if that no doubt faith isn't a specific spiritual gift you've been given, probably doubt will be a part of your journey. And that there's kind of at least 2000 years of, testimony to you're, this effect.
0: You're in good yeah. company.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. People who have found that A, not only doubt is a normal, expected part of many people's walks with with God, but B, that it it, it can end up being a gift. It can end up being this invitation into something uh, deeper, even though it's often very painful um, at the time. So I think the first, the first thing is to expect some turbulence, mm-hmm. especially for those of us that grew up uh, in the faith. I find often uh people who come to faith later in life not all this isn't always the case but often they don't struggle as much with doubt because they have such a before and after. Right. And so they remember life without you know walking with God and they were they like life better now and so so they they don't struggle with doubt as much. But those of us who grew up mm-hmm. in in the faith uh often we have to go through this process of you know we draw a certain map of our understanding of who God is and how he intersects with us, who we are. And honestly, if the map we we drew when we were 11, if we have the same map when we're 30, (laughs) 30, something's wrong, right? And and sometimes those seasons of doubt are, are just necessary. Uh, you know, they force us to re redraw that map. Mm -hmm. So I think of C.S. Lewis saying, you know, our, our idea of God isn't a divine idea. It, it, uh, it it has to be shattered. And in fact, sometimes it's God that does the, the shattering, yes, you know, so I think yes. for some of us that grow up in, in the faith, that's necessary. So that, that would be the first thing I would say is to, unless you've been given that very specific first Corinthians 12 gift of never doubt faith, you should expect it. And mm-hmm. that will, that will help. It certainly would have helped me if, if I hadn't panicked. True. Um, uh, and, and then a couple others, um, you want to hear a couple
0: more? I d- I do.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. Good. I'm going on and on. But
0: oh, that's um, good.
1: Uh I think the second thing I would call um keep up the conversation. Which okay. and what I mean by that is uh it you know, when you feel like your prayers and your the things that you normally do, the disciplines you normally practice, the ways your the habits you have of being uh in intentional relationship with God, when you feel like those aren't working for lack Uh of a better term Mm -hmm. is very it feels very sort of sensible to stop doing them Mm -hmm. but it but those seasons are the the time when you need them uh the most yes Uh, you know if you're if you're out in the middle of a lake somewhere uh trying to swim to shore and you're not sure if you're going to make it it's a really bad time to stop Swimming and <laughs> assess, assess your chances, right? Um, and so, so I think in those in those times when it feels like nothing is happening, just keeping up the conversation, even if the conversation is saying to God, "Where are you? I don't feel you. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. I don't understand what's going yes. on." Um, you know, there are about ten thousand passages in Scripture that give us permission mm-hmm. to say those kinds of things to God. Yes. Encourage us. Um, and so to stay, to stay in conversation, to remember that lament is actually a great act of faith, um, yes. because it assumes, uh, you know, that somebody is listening and cares that God <laughs> um, Oh, h-
0: hang that one. I love that. Yeah. Praying a prayer of lament. Where are you, God? Yeah. Right. Is a way of saying, I know you're there. Right. <laughs> yeah. By, Bridge between reality and expectations is is
1: uh, it's not happening right now. Yeah, but that
0: is an act of faith to even. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah,
1: yeah. Good. So staying staying in conversation, um, no matter what, and I, and that's why I think so much of when Jesus was here, so much of his teaching on prayer was about persistence. Mm-hmm. You know, he told the story about the the neighbor who won't open the door to give some food for the traveler, and another story about a. These are in Luke. Another story about a a widow keeps bugging this capricious judge for justice. And, and he says, you know, look at these, these lousy characters. Mm. And yet if, if you keep after them, you know, eventually they'll give you what they need. How much more will my father, who's good, give you what you need? And I, I used to read that, those, those stories and, and think like, really God, like really, I'm supposed to nag you. Is that, (laughs) that messages here? Um, And I've come to think, I think why he, I think why Jesus emphasized persistence in prayer so much was out of empathy for our situation. I think mm-hmm. He understood that sometimes we would pray and we would feel like nothing was happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, He knew that that the Father is very good and that lots is happening mm-hmm. that we just can't see. And I think He knew that really nothing kills a relationship faster than the silent treatment, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think he was saying, look, uh, even those times when it when you cannot detect God's movement in your life, please stay in the conversation, be persistent, mm-hmm. because I know my father and he is good. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot more going on here than, than meets the eye. And um, so I think in those seasons of doubt, what those, those spiritual disciplines that we practice – uh, to be with God, even when they feel totally ineffective, it's mm-hmm. it's important to just keep going and stay yeah, in the conversation nice. with total honesty. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. God God knows what's in our hearts. It's either gotta be mm-hmm. prayed out or left to, to fester. Um but but we just gotta do
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> work on that one. It, it's it's yeah. either got to be prayed out or left to fester. Fester, one or the other. Yeah, work yeah. on work with that for a minute.
1: Well, I mean, I think, I think maybe this is just my issue, you know, growing up in a particular kind of religious context, but for a long time, I felt like I couldn't say impolite things to God, you know, and, and, um, and so dark thoughts or things I was struggling with, I would try to sort of put in some compartment of my heart where he wouldn't have to <laughs> hear them or see them. And of course that's ridiculous because he he knows our inmost beings. Um, but yeah, I I've come to believe that, that uh, there's this invitation with God to, to pray it out in his company. Again, we have so many, so many lament passages in scripture that model this for us. Um, and if we don't, Um, things just become, they, they become toxic Mm -hmm. inside of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, They do fester like an infection, uh, and they need oxygen. They need air. We need to pray them out in God's company and probably in the company of some other people that love us and love him. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's amazing how, if you are struggling with a doubt or question, um, that for as long as that thing that you're struggling with, doesn't get articulated, doesn't get spoken. It holds so much power, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah, it it, it's amazing how when you speak it in God's company, in the company of some other people that you trust, how it just in the speaking of it, it, it usually loses about fifty percent of yep, its yep. toxicity. You know, right? Just just in the just getting it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I do think whatever's in us has to be prayed out or left to
0: festive. Well, it's it's taken me another direction or just at least a thought i'm having yeah i mean there's a lot of different ways that we work through things in life a lot of different ways that we find healing and things but it left me with the question of are there just some things that need to be prayed out of us meaning that we just you know the 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 way that that we're going to move through that or beyond that is we've we've just got to Pray it out. <laughs> God, that yeah. that's not the way I want to say it. I, but, no, yeah.
1: I, I I don't think that's a bad way of saying it. And and just and and just living it out. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I I grew up in in eighty sitcoms. You know, I want a resolution in thirty <laughs> minutes, please, <laughs> or less. You know, plus yes. commercial break. Yeah. And uh, and the the we're we're part of a big stakes story that's being told over eons, and things mm-hmm. just don't don't work out as quick as we would like so no. uh yeah the the um the staying in conversation though in those waiting seasons mm-hmm. i think is is hugely important the other one that's really helped me is is uh is some stuff uh uh daniel taylor is an author that's really helped me okay. um He wrote a book called The Myth of Certainty, Hmm. and then uh, just last year or so, a book called The Skeptical Believer, about what what faith is like for people who are just sort of naturally skeptics, naturally question askers. And he talks in The Skeptical Believer a lot about how important it was for him to sometimes shift the way he thought about faith, especially in Seasons of Doubt from an argument to a story Mm -hmm. and, and not like a story, like, you know, something we make up at bedtime and tell ourselves to feel better, but a story like, what is the story of the universe? And what's the true story of the universe? And how does my story fit into that story? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. he started saying, you know, like the, the test, am I believing in the right things? Uh, Yeah. Cognitively, they have to make sense. They, I want a reasoned faith, a reasonable faith, but also, what what does this faith ask me to live for and to love and so sometimes i think when people get stuck when they get paralyzed mm-hmm. in seasons of doubt if they can find one part of the story um that they can commit to they can kind of start there you know and mm-hmm. and um and uh so because i i have come to the place in life where i don't think certainty the way we we used to think about certainty when we were kind of coming out of modernism. I don't think certainty is is, is possible. Every, there's always a, a question. And, and in fact, when God provides, leave no room for doubt, proof mm. of his existence, the enterprise of faith will be done
0: because <laughs> faith, sure. faith
1: is, is the substance, mm. you know, believing in things not yet seen, things right. hoped right. for, right? Um, and so... For me, a lot of my journey has been about learning to surrender certainty, which I really would kind of like to have, but not commitment, going, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to move forward to this, to this invitation of life with God. And commitment is an amazing thing. You know, I we see in, in our, our kids, uh, a couple summers, they volunteered at Vacation Bible School, right? They help run VBS. And their faith just it just grows leaps and bounds. You know, they go from, from grace being, you know, um, thanks for the food, God, amen. Hope mom didn't overcook the vegetables. Uh, They, Mm -hmm. they move from that to, you know, these incredible prayers of being awake to what God is doing in the world and the lives of the kids Mm -hmm. that they're working with. And their dad and I are like, you know, practically bawling at the dinner Mm -hmm. table. But, But it's just when you, when you, when in those times of paralysis, if you'll just step into the story um, and and commit in some way, it can be, a, it doesn't resolve all the doubt immediately, but it, it, it really, it really helps. And to remember that, that God is telling a very big story, um, mm. which doesn't, which contextualizes and dignifies our stories, I think. But remembering contextualizes that.
0: Contextualizes and dignifies. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Well, you know, one one thought I I had on this just just as to kind of close things up. You well, know, you started talking about the you know, lack of God's presence in your life and I, I see this a lot with my students at the at the university where you know, freshmen they come in and they're kind of high on youth group and they're going to change the world and such. And then come senior year, they're very quietly going I don't know so much about mm-hmm. some of these things, and sometimes it's really you know kind of what we think of traditional doubt of you know does God exist or what is the Bible and you know you know or the role of church. Um, but then a lot of times it's just that one you said of wait a minute I don't feel God anymore. Well, that must mean you know something's wrong, and and my response is always uh, good. You're, you're you're growing up. Yeah, <laughs> and no then, kidding. And then we add the, <laughs> those two things you said there, uh, expect it and keep in conversation. Yeah. Uh, that's Those are two very, very helpful things. As we journey through all this, well, I, I mentioned to you before we push record, I have to sit on a panel at Doubt Day at the university, where the students come and and you know, and we're supposed to give all the answers. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so. blessings on that. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. All. It's
1: great. It's great that the university has Doubt Day, though. I mean, I think I think that's part of that that. Um, you know maybe if i'd had doubt day before my first real season i would know it was not unheard of for someone who who loves god and is beloved by god to to go through those times where where uh it's more questions than answers but um but god's inviting us onto something even deeper i think
0: Well, I'll walk up there with my Carolyn Aaron notes, and uh, (laughs) I'm I'm now ready. We'll know how that goes. Yeah, I will. Hey, thanks again, and uh, uh, let's do this another time. Very much enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye.